you know, always a good opportunity to look under the hood, not just to the banks, but the overall strength of the Canadian economy as well. Welcome to Views from the Desk, a special edition of the BMO ETFs podcast. In these timely episodes, we provide the latest investment news and expert commentary on the markets, the economy, and investing. Brought to you by BMO Global Asset Management. As votes are counted in the U.S. midterm elections, Republicans are projected to win the House. In today's episode, portfolio managers Chris Heeks, Om Karmalker, and your host Mark Rays explore what a divided government could mean for investors. They also discuss opportunities in bond markets, the earnings season, oil, and share buybacks. Before we hear from the team, please consider subscribing to Views from the Desk on your preferred podcast platform. And for many more ETF insights and resources, visit the new and improved Canadian ETF dashboard at bmoetfs.ca. Hello, and welcome to our BMO ETF weekly insight call with our team of experts. I'm today's host, Mark Ray's head of product for BMO Global Asset Management. I'd like to thank everyone for listening in. Once again, we really appreciate your time. We're joined today by Chris Heeks and Om Kamakar, both PMs on our ETF desk. So looking forward to today's discussion, and thanks to both of you for joining. Thanks, Mark. Good to be here. Thanks, Mark. Great. Let's get right into things. Well, first question, very topical. We've had the U.S. midterms. Results are mostly in. What does this mean for equities as you look ahead? Thanks. Thanks, Mark. I think the people on markets were looking for a bit of a red wave. Uh, the Republicans have, have been gaining momentum in, in recent weeks, being termed a little bit more of a red ripple rather than a red wave. So as you say, still counting votes and, and uh, finalizing the results, but you know, looks that the House of Representatives will flip from Democrats to Republicans, a relatively narrow edge to the Republicans there. And the Senate, again, it's, it's quite close to call. I think the most likely outcome is it's going to stay with the Democrats. As you remember, even if it's a tie, the Democrats have that advantage with the VP getting to break the tie so Kamala Harris can break it for the Democrats. So I think what you're looking at is a divided government. Really, that's what the markets have been looking for uh, for the last few weeks. The Republicans going to have that control of the House and, and then, you know, Democrats on the other side. You know, it's really not a bad outcome for equity markets. You know, I think the, the most negative outcome from a market perspective would probably have been a Democrat sweep where you could have seen, you know, increased taxes on, on corporate America. You know, Biden was, was making some noise about a windfall tax in the energy sector. So, you know, that was probably the most negative outcome. You're going to have a divided government. It's going to be hard to pass through anything that's really abrasive in that regards, because I don't think there'll be the appetite for that. So, you know, if there's a negative coming out of the, you know, coming out of the midterms, I think that it's a little disappointing to some market participants that you didn't see more Republican strength. You know, Republicans obviously seen as more business friendly, seeing that you know, they, they did capture some ground, but not as much as was as, as anticipated. You know, I think some market participants are looking to the next election cycle already, you know, 2024 and seeing it's going to be, you know, kind of a balanced race. 
So, you know, that's the negative. And, and we see markets trading slightly negative, you know, off the back of this news. Overall, though, again, I think divided government is is a good place to be for markets. I think it's where market participates, you know, quite frankly, want the government to be divided and have a bit of gridlock there. And, you know, again, I think keeping really aggressive policy out of the equation, you know, in terms of taxation and those kinds of things, you know, I think bodes well for equity. So obviously, we've seen a lot of pain. You know, the track record is typically that equities do okay following this midterms. And, you know, I think the divided government is going to prove to be, you know, not a bad place, at least for the interim as we, you know, manage these challenges. So, you know, not not a terrible outcome by any means for markets. And I think, uh, you know, could be productive going forward. Thanks for that, Chris. Maybe as a really quick follow-up, uh, is there a BMO ETF that, that you think about considering? Uh, these results? Well, when you think about core equities, I mean, it's hard to look past the ZSP, the BMO, S&P 500 index ETF. You know, if you wanted a currency hedge, you could also layer in the ZUE, which is the, you know, the S&P 500 hedge to CAD. But at a compelling price point of, of eight basis points, you know, it's hard to argue not having a good chunk of that in your portfolio. And so, uh, you know, the S&P has been down about 15% in Canadian dollar terms. Doesn't, you know, always feel consumer confidence is not the highest, but, you know, typically when you can buy things cheaper, you know, works out better in the long run. So I think that's a good one to, to look at. Great. Thanks for that, Chris. Well, let's go in your direction here and have an update on fixed income. Certainly, we've got elevated bond volatility. We've got a lot going on with, with the Fed, and Canada and inflation. So as you look at this space, uh, can you identify opportunities uh, where investors might be able to take advantage of some of this volatility? Thanks. For sure, Mark. Uh, so if we kind of rewind back to last week when uh, feds came in, you know, markets were hoping that the feds messaging would be a kind of a pivoting one. However, we saw Powell came in and he delivered a fairly hawkish message saying that, you know, rates have to go higher. And, you know, the most important Thing from the meeting that you know uh, we can take you know one point is you know whether the terminal rates you know 4.5 or 5 percent that feds are going to keep hiking until they see material evidence that inflation has started to crack or slow down and you know and this is where you you might start to see some dampening of economic activity as you know as uh, higher rates mean you're in a much more restrictive period however from a from a fixed income perspective, you know, this is, this is a great opportunity sense, because in a sense, there's actually income uh, in the fixed income space with yields at very high levels. You know, if you kind of go back one year or two years, you know, we saw fixed income yields were much, much lower. And it was much harder to extract that income from the space. You know, as you, as you mentioned, you know, we do expect, you know, volatility in the bond market to remain elevated, uh, you know, as we wait for inflation to start ticking down. Uh, however, there is uh, great opportunities uh, both on the short end of the curve and the long end of the curve for investors. So let's let's uh, look at the long end of the curve uh, to start with. So we can see uh, strong yields on the long end of the curve with Canadian and U.S. bonds yielding approximately uh, four point four to four and a half percent. You know levels that we have not seen in a while. Investors can get exposure to the long end of the curve by using uh, you know, ZGB, which is the BMO government bond index, 
or ZTL, which is the BMO Long-Term U.S. Treasury Bond Index ETF. So the benefit of purchasing these longer government bonds is, one, yes, investors get that higher income. However, the second and more important is, you know, longer dated bonds tend to be more sensitive to long-term expectations of economic growth and inflation expectations. We believe, as I mentioned, you know, central banks are being very aggressive with their uh, rate hikes, which can cause a recession and slow down in the uh, uh, slow down the economy. Then these long-dated government bond ETFs should provide extra protection uh, for clients' portfolios while getting paid a healthy yield of approximately four to four and a half percent. So that's on the long end of the curve. On the short end of the curve, there are great opportunities as well. Uh, you know, using ETFs such as ZST which is the BMO Ultra Short-Term Bond ETF, or ZCS, which is the Short-Term uh, Corporate Bond Index. You know, they are currently yielding uh, approximately 45 to 5.5%, you know, which are great cash alternatives. So you're getting paid to wait. And furthermore, you know, uh, using these shorter duration uh, ETFs, you know, it provides great liquidity tool uh, to help shorten the overall portfolio duration. And another big, big benefit is uh, investors have the liquidity, which allows them to move easily into other exposures. And we are in a very volatile uh, environment where it's very data-driven. So if we do see, for some reason, inflation starts to taper off much quicker than anticipation, you know, investors have the ability to move from these shorter duration uh, exposures to other exposures that might fit better within their portfolio. And they don't have to worry about any lockup period, uh, you know, unlike GICs that we have seen. There are some great opportunities in the fixed income space currently, both on the short and the long end of the curve, Mark. Great, well, appreciate that update. Certainly lots to think about on the fixed income side of the book in a challenging year, but now, as you say, lots of opportunity ahead. For investors. Would you like to hear more from BMO Global Asset Management's team of investment experts? Check out the BMO Market Insights podcast. These timely, client-friendly episodes deliver the latest news and commentary on the markets, the economy, and investing, with a focus on exchange-traded funds. Available now at bmoetfs.ca, that's bmoetfs.ca, or on your favorite podcast platform. Well, let's turn back to equities and check in on Canadian banks. Of course, we're at the bank year ends here, and year end earnings will be will be available shortly if you look ahead. So, can we get your update on both uh, the BMO Equal Weight Banks ETF ZEB as well as the Covered Call Canadian Banks ETF ZWB? Thanks. Yep. Thanks, Mark. Uh, yeah, so we're about two weeks out from the earnings cycle for the Canadian banks, and that'll be happening at the end of November and into the, the very early part of December. You know, always a good opportunity to look under the hood, not just to the banks, but the you know, overall strength of the Canadian economy as well. You know, there's been some concern with regards to, you know, real estate in the Canadian banks and, and loan books. But, you know, as a reminder, we've we've really seen those quite resilient on the Canadian banks. So, you know, I think my my default expectation is still still see a resilient uh, loan book structure. Uh, as we know, Canadian banks are well capitalized. They've got very strong competitive positions, and you know, I think one thing that's going to help you know mitigate things 
know, we're, we're, we're concerned about a recession. Obviously, there's, there's, there's a lot of talk about that, you know, driven by a potential overshoot on the central bank rate hiking side. But, you know, labor markets are exceptionally strong. We just had a really strong reading in Canada. So we really think that helps uh, mute the impact of, you know, a possible, you know, rate policy mistake or make it a shallow landing in terms of recovery. So, uh, so we'll see. We'll get to look under the hood. You know, banks are trading at nine times forward earnings right now, 6%. And price to books are well below historical averages, about 25% below historical averages. So the fundamentals continue to look uh, very strong uh, in this higher volatility environment. You know, obviously that can benefit the covered call banks as well, that ZWB that we spoke of for that income investor who's looking for more income. That's a good option there. But you know, wanted to remind uh, and, and just discuss the long-term track record of Canadian banks because it's pretty amazing. For over the past 50 years, your average return in Canadian banks is about 13% each year. And the other thing that's you know pretty amazing about it is each decade, it's been over double digits, compounded annual returns. So whether it's the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, the, the zeros or the 10s, and, you know, that's all that average has always been double digits compounded and, and we know the power of compounding. So, uh, you know, another uh, strategy where we've seen, you know, banks have been under pressure, like many things this year, but creating a good opportunity for investors going forward with the ZEB and ZWB discussed. Great. Thanks for that, Chris. And as you say, earnings right around the corner. So certainly paying attention to that. Now, staying with earnings, we've just gone through a lot of the earnings in the U.S., uh, majority of companies having come in. Certainly, uh, as you mentioned, some, some risk of the markets worried about a Fed overshoot and potentially slowing down the economy. So what are the latest earnings suggesting for markets? Thanks. Thanks, Mark. I'll, I'll take that. Uh, so from, a, from an earnings perspective, Q3 was very important as, as we saw a lot of investors uh, looking at it very closely to ensure, to see uh, if there is that uh, slowdown in revenue or revenue growth. So if we kind of just, you know, look at it from a surface level, you know, we saw some large technology companies such as Meta or even Google, you know, uh, have a bad earning on weak and slowing advertising revenue outlook. So on a technology front, it was a bit of a disappointment to see weaker than anticipated numbers. However, on the positive side, you know, there were companies such as McDonald's or Caterpillar, which were up on earnings on stronger than expected sales and uh, orders. And, you know, in the past, we've been very used to seeing these technology companies lead earnings. Uh, so it's been a sector which has driven earnings growth. Uh, however, in 2022, it, it's changed a bit. So if we kind of, you know, take a step back, there were other sectors and other companies that actually had much stronger earnings growth as they were able to pass some of this inflation cost back to consumer. So if you look at consumer staple companies such as Coca-Cola, they reported very strong earnings and strong revenue forecasts. And that was mainly on their ability to pass on this inflation cost to its consumer. Even within technology space, there were some uh, positive news. So for example, if you look at Visa, you know, it was up four and a half percent post earnings on good earnings. And mainly because, you know, it's, with inflation higher, you know, they were benefiting from higher prices as their revenue is a percentage of these higher prices. 
So we did see uh, a shift in uh, earnings growth from kind of technology companies to different sectors such as consumer staples. And it's very important, you know, to be very cognizant in this kind of environment to have a diversified exposure, a diversified sector exposure in this environment. So having blue chip companies, uh, which which have the ability to pass on some of this inflation cost down to its consumer, uh, you know, which which is a good way to get that sector diversification and having those blue chip companies uh, within the overall portfolio. So, uh, you know, ETFs such as uh, ZDY, which is the BMO uh, US dividend ETF, uh, or even ZDV, which is the Canadian uh, BMO Canadian uh, dividend ETF, a great way to get this exposure without allocating into one specific sector, a good way to diversify across different sectors, Mark, here. Great, thanks for that update, appreciate that. Certainly a lot to look at and perhaps an opportunity there to, to think about bringing in other sectors into your portfolio. Ready for tax time? Check out the BMO ETF's Tax Loss Harvesting Guide for 2022, which features trade ideas to help your clients navigate the year's end and harvest tax savings from underperforming securities. To learn the advantages, potential pitfalls, and best practices, access BMO ETF's Tax Loss Harvesting Guide today at bmoetfs.ca. Now let's come closer to home and get an update on energy. I think as as we all know, energy has been a big driver of returns in the Canadian market this year and helping Canada outperform relative to other geographies. Can we get your thoughts on on oil and perhaps tied into ZEO, our BMO Equal Weight uh, Oil and Gas ETF? Thanks. Energy is... You know, it's a tricky sector and it it is known for booms and busts. You know, the booms are often kind of 12 to 18 months and then, you know, kind of goes flat for a few years. I think, I think, you know, and and you always want to be careful saying it's different this time, but there are some factors that I do think is going to extend the boom period this time. So if you're looking at, you know, oil prices have kind of settled into that 80 to $90 range. Uh, first comment is just how profitable these companies are, the, especially the explorers, um, incredible profitability. And you're looking at price to earnings in the four to five dollar range. Uh, sorry, four, so price to earnings ratios in the four to five X times, you know, when, when you have the market at 15. Phenomenal value. But look at, you know, some of the factors that are happening uh, in the U.S., you know, the strategic oil reserve has been drawn down pretty substantially. It's been drawn down about 40 percent. You know, talking about 250 million barrels, Biden says he's a buyer at $70. So, you know, uh, you, you talk about the Fed put, you know, there's a little bit of a government fiscal put in the oil space. You know, you know, there's a buyer down at $70. Again, you know, at $70, these companies are still fantastically profitable in Canada. Uh, supply chain is obviously a big concern as well. You know, the Russian-Ukraine conflict is redrawing, you know, the availability and also, you know, supply agreements in terms of where that energy goes. You're seeing uh, China's uh, uh, chairman uh, Xi is in uh, Saudi Arabia, and, and I'm sure they're talking about oil supply there as well. You know, China's an interesting one where we're seeing a little bit of money going into that space, you know, perhaps positioning for recovery in 2023. Uh, you know, I think if you get Chinese industrial production going again, and it's it's quite low right now, you know, obviously with the zero COVID, it's been reduced. 
but over the next 12 months, they're, they're a big buyer of oil as well. So a lot of tailwinds just continue to be at that sector. Uh, there's been underinvestment in the oil space as well. So it's not like a ton of supply in Canada can just magically appear. Um, you know, it's, it's been a, a, a place where it's been challenging to invest. So bodes well for the industry. And ZEO, you know, it's a, it's a ETF, uh, you know, equal weight Canadian oil and gas. It has both the producers as well as the uh, pipelines and, and, and uh, storage facilities in there. Nice broad exposure to the sector without overweighting any one company. It's yielding close to 4%. And we've been seeing that quarterly distribution amount tick up quarter after quarter after quarter as companies return some of that cash flow to investors. So uh, I think it's still a tailwind and you want to have some, you know, I think it's a good idea to make sure you're not underweight, certainly in a portfolio. You know, we talk a lot about balancing you know, say like a low vol approach with a growth approach. So I could say a NASDAQ and a low vol, great combination, but, you know, don't forget to have the energy in there as well. So, you know, do like uh, ZEO and continue to, you know, see this as a profitable area. And, and one, you probably don't want to be overweight, make sure you have that, you know, at least five to 10% of energy in your portfolio um, to, to uh, take advantage of these trends. Thanks for that update, Chris. Well, we've had only one more question come in from advisors this week, and this is regarding buybacks. We've had recent announcements, both in Canada and the U.S., on uh, taxation on buybacks. Can you give us some thoughts on what this might mean to buybacks in general? And as well, as, as you look at it, uh, what areas of the market could you see benefiting from this over the short term? Thanks. Thanks, Mark. That's a great question. On the buyback front, we saw in the U.S. Uh, the Biden administration announce uh, this tax in their Inflation Reduction Act of one percent, uh, which starts effectively Jan first, twenty twenty-three. Uh, we saw a similar uh, tax announced in Canada. However, it's a two percent two percent tax uh, starting Jan first, twenty twenty-four. So, you know, before I dive into the question, you know, what, is it, what does it mean buying back securities? So usually when a public company has excess cash, you know, it can purchase shares of its own stock on the public market, uh, you know, known as stock buyback. And it's a way of returning cash to shareholders. And it's, it's actually very popular uh, way of returning uh, cash back to shareholders, even more popular than uh, dividends. So in terms of major impacts, you know, we don't we don't think this tax has major impacts on investors. There's a few reasons why. First is, you know, we uh, first is in terms of stock buybacks, you know, what we have seen companies in the US do this year is they actually boosted their share buybacks in 2022. Uh, so they they can still buy their shares at a lower price this year and they can avoid that tax in the US which starts in 2023. Another thing, another trend that we can see, uh, you know, companies doing is with the extra cash that they have, they can pay higher dividends back to uh, uh, investors as a way of returning cash instead of doing buybacks. Uh, you know, another way of avoiding that 1% tax in the U.S. In terms of benefits or in terms of strategies that we, we see benefiting, you know, in, in general, we see dividend-oriented companies and strategies that are dividend-oriented benefit in the short term. So, you know, they are primary returners of capital. So, 
you know, having more dividend growth across the board. Uh, so holding companies uh, that do pay dividends, uh, we can see a strong growth in that uh, in that section uh, of the of the investment uh, market. In terms of sectors, you know, if we if we focus on you know energy sector, for example, you know, in Canada, to give you an example, last uh, you know the four largest producers spent approximately 16 billion in buybacks in the first three quarters of 2022. So in terms of changes within the energy sector, you know, we, we can start seeing companies, you know, spending more on M&A activity uh, instead of doing buybacks. And that's because, you know, within the energy sector, it's, uh, you know, it's very volatile with oil prices. So it's much harder for these energy companies to spend money on their own operations and they prefer returning it uh, to investors. So, you know, uh, instead of you know increasing uh, dividends, we can see actually in the within the energy sector, we can see companies actually doing special dividends, special one-time dividends during periods of high profitability, and this way they aren't on hook to uh, pay dividends on a increased dividends on a continuous basis uh, as a regular dividend. And you know, one more to think to think about, you know, in the grand scheme of things, if a company feels that their stock is undervalued or cheap, you know, for example, in 2022. With markets down significantly, uh, you know, valuations have come down on a lot of these companies. So if a company does feel that their stock is undervalued and cheap, a 1% or 2% tax won't really deter them from buying their shares back. So in terms of uh, major impacts, we don't see a huge impact because there are a lot of options that these companies have, a way to return capital back to shareholders without incurring too much cost on their books. Great. Thanks for that update. Appreciate that. Well, that is all the questions that have come in for this week. So I'd like to thank everyone for listening in. We really appreciate you doing so. Of course, thanks to both Om and Chris. Uh, some really good answers today covering a lot of areas in the market. Uh, a lot going on out there, certainly. So really appreciate your ability to bring that back to portfolios and give us all actionable ideas that we can we can think about in our own businesses so with that i just want to thank everyone one last time for listening in and have a great day thank you to mark rays chris heeks and om Karmalker for joining us on the bmo etfs podcast today we heard about the bmo government bond index etf ticker zgb which provides an attractive yield and protection against rising rates our experts also discussed tailwinds in the energy sector the BMO Equal Weight Oil and Gas Index ETF, ticker ZEO, invests in producers, pipelines, and storage facilities, providing broad exposure to the sector without overweighting any one company. For more information about the ETFs discussed in this podcast, check out the episode notes, contact your regional BMO ETF specialist, or visit the new and improved Canadian ETF dashboard at bmoetfs.ca. That's bmoetfs.ca. The viewpoints expressed by the portfolio managers represent their assessment of the markets at the time of publication. Those views are subject to change without notice at any time without any kind of notice. The information contained herein is not and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice to any party. Investments should be evaluated relative to the individual's investment objectives, and professional advice should be obtained with respect to any circumstance. Any statement that necessarily depends on future events may be a forward-looking statement. Forward-looking statements are not guarantees of performance. Commissions, management fees, and expenses, if any, all may be associated with investments in exchange-traded funds. Please read the ETF facts or prospectus before investing.
Exchange-traded funds are not guaranteed. Their values change frequently and past performance may not be repeated. BMO Global Asset Management is a brand name under which BMO Asset Management Inc. and BMO Investments Inc. operate.